Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew. What John was 10, 15 years ago, maybe. The browner version of it. I have a joke as well. Got to participate here. Got to participate. Why didn't the skeleton cross the road? Because it had no guts. Best one so far. Awesome. Awesome job. Father's Day. I appreciate the acknowledgement earlier of how this day could be somewhat troublesome emotionally for some of us. Whether we grew up with an absent father or our father is no longer with us, there's all kinds of different emotions. Or even as we continue to evaluate and heal from our relationship with our father uh, growing up. And so for me, Father's Day is one of those days mixed with all kinds of emotions that at the end of the day kind of make no sense. And that's just kind of the day where I feel grateful and then I feel hurt and then I question why and then I remember God and I'm like, oh my goodness, I get to call on God as my heavenly father and I kind of feel grateful again. Uh, And so there's all kinds of different thoughts and feelings. Uh, And so for all of the dads here, happy Father's Day. And we are so grateful for who you are and your unconditional love and your perseverance. Uh, Amen. And, uh, you know, we continue our, our sermon series, Models of Faith, Examples Worthy of Imitation. And for all the children, it's been a great to, to just have you in the service with us. Uh, and so, you know, as it was announced, we are going to be starting children's classes. Uh, but I do want to say what a blessing it has been uh, to have our children with us. Um, during these these times but uh kids the word of the day here if you can tally there is dream or dreams all right so you can uh, participate and stay engaged in that way joseph a story of fatherhood i don't know if you've ever heard a sermon about joseph not joseph the dreamer in genesis but Joseph, the man who was engaged to Mary, and then gets the news that Mary is pregnant through the, by the Holy Spirit, and now Joseph is called to adopt Jesus. That's the Joseph we're going to be talking about today. And Joseph is one of those stories that kind of just gets lost in the mix. You kind of lose, uh, you know, enough spotlight for Joseph, in part because he's not really mentioned in all the other Gospels outside of Matthew, and then he's no longer mentioned past the infancy narratives. And maybe it's perhaps perhaps that. Or maybe because he was simply the dad. (laughs) And so we're going to learn here about Joseph, and hopefully you get to hear something fresh and new that calls you 
to consider God and God's presence in your life in new ways. Amen? Amen. Historically, the church uh, has, you know, been reflective of Joseph. And this is an orthodox iconography. Uh, and you see Joseph right there on your, uh, on the, your left, bottom left for you. And there he is. How does he look? He looks troubled. And that figure in front of him is representing the devil. And Joseph is troubled. Why is he troubled? And so, uh, you know, what this, what this imagery tells us is, is the story of how the church was, one, remembering the stories in the scripture, but was also addressing challenges that were taking place during the time of the making of these icons. And so the person of Joseph, here the icon discloses not only his personal drama, but the drama of all mankind, the difficulty of accepting that which is beyond reason, which is the incarnation of God. The icon answers this question on the bottom right with the presence of the midwives and the vessels of water washing the baby the scene emphasizes the true humanity of jesus and the full embodiment of god and so joseph b historically was this figure that represents the troubled christian the troubled church when god is up to something new that you really were not expecting and so I think today this Joseph, this father figure becomes, I think, a, a guide for us during times where we are troubled or during times of change and transition in our lives. Amen. So let's go and highlight Joseph's unconditional love. And we'll look at these three components in his life. Let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter one, verse 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, there it is, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That already says so much about this man. But after he had considered this, or basically had made up his mind, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is the first of four dreams we will see. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will be, give birth to a son. Here it is. And you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins or he's going to form a new people a Jesus is Lord people all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us which is very fitting that God with us is introduced with Joseph. When Joseph woke up, 
he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. We see the unconditional love of Joseph and we see how the scriptures are intentionally describing his character, his heart, his circumstances, what God calls him to, and his response. This is a good dude. He's a good man. He's a just man. He's faithful to the law, and yet he is compassionate because when he finds out that his wife-to-be, the, the person he's engaged to, is now pregnant, his conclusion, logical conclusion is, Mary has been unfaithful to me, has committed adultery, and has become impregnated by someone else. And if you could just imagine the emotions he could be feeling. But there's no intent of revenge, of public humiliation for Mary. In his brokenness, in his shock, he chooses to still show her respect and do what is best for her, even though he has been, he feels in his reality that he has been sinned against. And so we see the compassion of Joseph. And it turns out Joseph is a reliable man because God calls him and he says, Joseph, you are the son of David. And in all, in chapter one, we see the lineages of Jesus and Joseph is part of that lineage. And so we see God being a great father to Joseph and calling him a son of David, part of the lineage of the Messiah and saying, you are included, Joseph, but not the way you were expecting. Isn't that God? And so Joseph is called the son of David, and God calls him to name one. He calls him to accept Mary and accept God at God's word that she's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And so now the possible public shame is now going to be upon him. And now he's defending Mary from the public and himself from the public, and he has to bear those burdens. But, but that doesn't seem to bother him because he's heard from God. And so the call from God is greater than the social pressures and the internal emotions and fears and concerns. The word of God surpassed. God's dream surpassed all of those nightmare feelings. And now Joseph has a decision to make. Because if he chooses 
not to take Mary, and he chooses not to legally confirm Jesus as his son, then legally it's not confirmed that Jesus is in the lineage of David. That's huge. And yet Joseph, in his unconditional love, now to God, chooses Mary, and I'm going to name Jesus. I'm going to name the son, my son Jesus, because God really is with us. And if this is for the greater good of others, I'll go ahead and participate in that. Isn't that fatherhood? If this is for the greater good of others, let's sacrifice. If this is for the greater good for God, let's be a just man. If this is to protect our spouse, our wife, our sons, our daughters, people, our community, then let's do it. It's a burden worthy an honor to take on that. Though that's not my dream, that's God's, that's God's dream. When we see here God's unconditional love. Right now we're going to hear from Kenny. A little bit of a modern day example that he'll share about unconditional love. Here's Kenny. Hey church, good morning. Uh, again, I'm Kenny Barber. And uh, so I'd like to first to start with just um, acknowledging or recognize all the great fathers here in the room um, and also on Zoom as well, who really had a great impact on, on my life and their examples are incredible. Um, I don't have any jokes. Uh, but I want to start, I, I really enjoy being a dad. And um, I appreciate even um, the lesson, um, just looking at Joseph from his perspective, that he was, he had an adopted son, you know, Jesus, and he had to love him unconditionally as well. And, um, and just how his unconditional love for, for God impacted his love for his wife and for his adopted son uh, as well. And so I want to talk about the unconditional love aspect. And um, just one aspect of being a father is accepting or understanding this unconditional love. You know, in fatherhood, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm a father of two and um, two girls. And, um, you know, fatherhood for me began with a spirit of gratefulness. You know, I was told, we were told by doctors that we could not uh, conceive um, normally and that we'd have to adopt or consider in vitro fertilization. So once we told we could have kids, you know, I, my fatherhood start with a level of, of, of gratitude. 
And you know, as, as being a, a um, you know early fatherhood, uh, just having kids, I realized really quickly that my kids were totally dependent on me. So coming home from the hospital, you guys have had that experience, and just driving very cautiously home from the hospital, you know, don't want to have any accidents because you know that you know what you're doing, you know, they're totally responsible. You're totally responsible for these these little ones, and. You know, I remember, um, you know, having a family and then having to establish, okay, what kind of household am I going to have? You know, setting these rules, what kind of rules am I going to have, the boundaries, the, uh, the biblical principles that I'm going to adapt. Uh, I remember even what parenting style are we going to use? Are we going to spank? Are we not going to spank? You know, timeouts, all et cetera, and trying to get advice and, and determine my standards for my household. Early years, you know, I remember... Um, Wagon rides in the backyard. I still have the same wagon that reminds me of that. I remember. Pretty intense, but lots of memories around that, you know, actually. Um, so I tell my girls now when it's time to raise money, it's like, remember those days when you sold cookies? You could sell anything, you know? So, uh, you know, and, and, and girls were in dance, so dance recitals, uh, etc. And so time really moves pretty fast, you know, when you have a family. Um, to really, you know, capture those times. But the early years, I remember, even today, uh, just ego and pride stepping in the way, you know, of, of my extent of love. Um, just seeing, uh, at times I see my kids as being an extension of myself, extension of my beliefs, a product of my training. And so the expectation that I would follow along, you know, in that way. And, and it didn't come out the way that I expected. I'd feel um, anger. I'd feel frustration. Um, if what they were doing or how they were living was contrary to what my beliefs were. And, and I, and, and Martin mentioned a point as far as just even feel like sinned against in a sense or you know with with men it could be you know it's this term of respect you know I want to be respected if you do anything out of respect then you know there's a, there it could be a feeling of anger and frustration too I remember um, you know my, my oldest daughter um, Courtney I remember she was two years old and I remember I really I first felt that as I, I think I told her we were in my bedroom I said go and like brush your teeth or something you know she, she's about like two years old or so and she and she came back to Lightly says, Daddy, don't talk to me like that, okay? Do not talk to me like that, okay? And it was cute, but I didn't know how to respond to that. I was full of some things, but I was like, it's cute, but, uh, you know, I was like, I didn't know how to respond. And so things like that, you know, would always affect me in a way, you know, that you're not supposed to say those things or, or do those things. And uh, and I remember even from, uh, you know, girls were in, were in the sports, and I, and I really... Um, focused on, I really had views of, you know, basketball and my girls, you know, being their coach and, you know, being in, in, in a WNBA or track and field and getting scholarships and, but their route was dance. And I was always trying to, you know, why don't you try track, why don't you play basketball? Okay, I'll be your coach. And they tried it both times, but didn't, didn't fail, you know, it didn't happen. You know, and so, you know, so that, you know, I think is the call, the call to persevere, you know, the call to love unconditionally despite the response or the path 
they take. Then moving to, to now, you know, my kids are 17 and 18. And so I feel like there's this time now of letting them be free. That's that stage now, it's new to me. You know, recognizing that they're their own person. And then my ego and pride steps in the way again, you know, and I know that because it's this pride that comes, it's this anger that comes up. And, you know, they realize that the prerequisite is not dependent on how responsible I think they are or whether they earned it or not or, or even their readiness to leave, you know, um, or, or, or being so concerned about the cost, you know, if they choose to do things outside of God's will. Um, you know, the anger and frustration around that, you know, is my pride. And, you know, trying to teach me that how I can, I need to accept, you know, their path and really focus on the connection part, you know, versus the fear, you know, as well. You know, a good, a good passage, you know, that outlines like a great father is the parable of the lost son, you know, where they're, um, you know, and it shows the, the, um, the father's unconditional love by willing to let his son be free. Even though maybe feeling like he wasn't, his son wasn't ready or wasn't really under the father's, you know, the right conditions, but letting him go. And then in verse 20, his response when his son came back from, you know, the, the, the living that he shows, that he says that um, we saw him, he was filled with compassion um, for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And so the father's unconditional love, you know, in that parable uh, with Joseph as well. And it teaches me, you know, to will, you know, to will what is best for my kids, no matter the cost. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kenny. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. Well, when is that? For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left to Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt... I called my son. We're going to skip here to verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. This is now the third dream. And said, get up and take the child and mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are death. So he got up, took the child, his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Achilles was reigning in Judah, Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, fourth dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went to the live in the town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And so the story of fatherhood for Joseph continues to be interrupted by the oppression and the violence of men. And in this figure is Herod. Herod represents in some ways a new, a new pharaoh seeking to end and oppress God's people. And, and Joseph is called in one night, get up, take your family, 
and leave. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine one night being told you are going to be killed if you don't leave right now? You can't take your belongings. You have to leave everything you've worked for behind, and you need to flee your country and go to another country. That is a story of many migrants that we serve in the Tijuana border who overnight have to flee persecution, mainly migrants from southern Mexico who are fleeing organized crime or migrants from Central America and in some places in, in countries in Africa. And so Joseph becomes a reliable story of comfort for many migrants. So this is a just man. This is a righteous man. Now having to go and live in Egypt? Another country, another language, another religion, an outsider, a foreigner, nothing with you. Reliant on the hospitality of your Egyptian neighbors to get settled in. And then, once settled in, God says, all right, come back. How many years has that been? What if he started a little business? Little Hebrews, you know, sales shop right there. I don't know. But all of a sudden, God says for the third time in a dream, all right, Joseph, keep changing. Keep moving. Come back. And then on his way back, he's probably dreaming, pun intended, I guess, on, hey, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to reunite with my relatives, my land. I, maybe I still have legal rights to this property and all these other things. And then, hey, the father, Herod, is dead, but the son is still alive and still wants to kill you. So now you need to go to Galilee of the Gentiles. In Nazareth, And all of it was to fulfill what was written by the prophets. And so somewhere along the way, Joseph must have realized my life is not my own. I am a faithful participant in God's story. And whatever happens to me, and if I obey, it's so that what the prophets have spoken is fulfilled. And so Joseph is this figure of faithfulness. It almost never goes his way. Fathers, can you relate? But it always goes God's way. Church, can you relate? And at the end of the day, we see Joseph obeying. And I think he's confident because the God is with us. And this son that I've adopted is going to serve the world. And so we see the perseverance of Joseph. So now we're going to hear a little story, a modern day example uh, about perseverance.
All right, good morning. So uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Alan Kohler, and I'm married to Stacy, and I have two kids, Brandon, who's 19, and Kylie, who is 16. And, um, you know, thinking of fatherhood and spirituality, uh, what comes to mind, and what I've practiced a lot over the years, and I'm sure what Joseph had to do constantly, is perseverance. And perseverance, if we just look at the definition, it uh, reads, continued effort to do something or achieve something despite the difficulties, the failures, or opposition. Steadfastness. Quitting and giving up, without a doubt, is the easiest thing to do. It's the least path of resistance, right? It's uh, oftentimes, even when you do give up, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved, you know, and it, it feels good initially. But as time goes on, as we quit and we give up, uh, it has devastating effects as time goes on. And, you know, being a father, I remember at first it was amazing and, and having a little baby and they're so small and you forget how small they are when I see them now. But I remember, you know, footballing them, you know, in my arm and kind of walking around the house and doing things. Um, you know, I remember as they grow, they start to recognize you and focus in on you and you can see their uh, you can see them start to smile and and of course when they giggle and laugh for the first time all these amazing things was just that brings back so many great memories of that or maybe when you feed them and they you know they spit out something because it's sour and when they really love something they just like gobble it down so these are some great memories um, growing up having kids um, but these good memories were also paired with uh, challenging ones there was plenty of self-denial, um, you know, nights of interrupted sleep to getting up at different times to uh, just having to have a long day at the office and having to come home and, and re-engage and spend more time or give my wife a break because she's been with them all day. You know, there's always been a lot to juggle, a lot to manage. Uh, for us, I've been the only provider at home, and that's what we set out to do originally uh, before we had kids um, so that Stacy could stay home and, and tend to the kids' needs. Um, I've had my own, uh, my own business, and work is never done. There's always something to do, and so oftentimes it's on my mind the things that I need to do. You know, so long hours, and then you get home, and you, again, you got to re-engage and uh, just give back to the family. And I think, you know, the, the, the trouble comes when, and I think a lot of that was, was easy for me to do, is the easier to do, but it's when things don't go my way that it starts creating some disappointment in my heart. And I'm sure that's what Joseph had to, to wrestle through as well. You know, for me, some of my challenges uh, with the kids is, is it's the attitudes that come back, you know, when I've asked them to do something. Um, it's when I give instructions and they literally do the opposite or, or just not at all. Um, it's the number of times that I have to ask or, or not ask, but have the same conversation about the same topic. It's like, didn't we just talk about this yesterday? It's like, no, I don't remember any of that. Um, you know, it's the slam doors. It's the talking back. It's, it's the being quiet and not really sharing anything and not really knowing what's going on. Um, it's the lack of gratitude and appreciation for what they have and what they've, you know, what's being provided to them on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And so for me, the challenge is, um, is that at times I just throw in the towel and I pull my heart back and I stop giving at a deep level because of the opposition, because of the difficulties. Uh, they're just too much. And, you know, really, my heart gets hurt. And I don't like feeling that way. It sucks. It makes me mad. And, you know, it, it, in my mind, it's my reaction to just go, you know what, just to pull away, to throw up my hands, and uh, say in my mind, hey, good luck with that. Right, and so I'm pulling way away, and in other words, you're on your own, buddy. And um, and you know, when I pull away in my heart and in my mind, at some point, what follows is I pull away physically, and that's always going to happen. And it's never a good place for me to stay in that in that realm very long. Um, so I've got to snap back, and this is what I really try to do with persevering: is is I've got to I've got to come to my senses. I've got to pull myself together, and I've got to recommit to getting back to being the father that God wants me to be. I'm sure Joseph felt this because his life didn't go like constantly the way that he thought it may go. And it was constant changes. And it was a lot of, a lot of things he had to adjust to. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures early on as a Christian is in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And it reads, Consider it pure joy. I love God's sense of humor in this. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, he wants us to be joyful when we face trials of many kinds. Very opposite of how we feel. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So in order for me to be in a place of perseverance, my faith must be tested. And then it goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if I want to be mature, if I want to be uh, complete, not lacking anything, my faith has to be tested and I have to continue to persevere. So let us all continue to persevere in everything we do so that we can become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thank you and happy Father's Day. As we come to a close, what are the new things that you've discovered about Joseph? How has God spoken to you today through the life and example of Joseph? You know, in some ways, I'm drawn to the story of Joseph. Because in some ways, Joseph is the dad I never had. My dad was married and had his own family, left that family, was with my mom for about four years. And three years after I was born, my dad and my mom just didn't work out between them. And he went back to his other family and reconciled there. And I grew up two blocks away from him living with his family. And there was no connection. There was no acknowledgement. And I remember walking as a kid with my aunts and my uncles and seeing my dad playing with his kids from his other family. And at that time, you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's my dad. And then you grow up and realize, that is terrible. And yet at 18 years old, I was invited to church. 
and having that reconciliation with Heavenly Father. And then being part of the church for 20 years, receiving father figures, brothers, friends. One of those father figures was Kevin Maines. As I was asked to go by part of the teen ministry, the teen that I had to disciple was Stuart. And I remember being around the Maines family, having dinners with them, seeing their having their disagreements, and seeing Kevin's presence and leadership and humility and pulling in this 20-year-old for input. What do you see that I, I'm not understanding about my son? And then hearing from Stuart things of, that they did during vacation growing up and different experiences and challenges and, and then kind of realizing as a 20-year-old, I never had that. that doesn't, what, what I had was not normal. What I had was not right. But thank you, God, that you've brought me into your family. And thank God for my mother. So shout out to the single moms. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Joseph had a plan, had a dream, had a vision, and it's altered because of God's plan. And then it's altered again because of the violence and oppression of man. And it's altered again by God. And every single time, four dreams later, Joseph continues to display unconditional love and perseverance. I hope this story of fatherhood ministers to you today and the days to come. Thank you. Thank you.